because tonight we're going to talk about giving. Uh, sometimes the question at the beginning relates to the message. Most of the time it doesn't. It's just whatever comes to my mind. Uh, but, you know, giving can be a sore subject for some, can it? Because the church is oftentimes accused of always trying to get into your pocket. And that's because oftentimes the church asks for money with wrong motives, not to honor God, but to grow an organization. Uh, it's quite different here at Awaken. In our 10 years of existence, do you know how many messages, full messages, we've given on tithe? Zero. And that's my fault. That's my fault. We need to talk about giving. The reason is it's an important expression of our worship. How we spend, how we view our family, how we view our friends, how we relate to the Bible, uh, how we relate to people who don't know Jesus, how we relate to our jobs, all those things uh, matter. They matter. We're to see those through a kingdom lens, through a Jesus lens. And Jesus talks a whole lot, an awful lot about money. So we need to talk about it more here. The reason is it's a privilege to give our money to God's work. It really is a privilege. And I want to hopefully tonight, through God's word, paint a vision that, uh, that we would be excited on Sunday night to bring our gifts to God. That we would be about giving, not getting. That we would battle that consumer-oriented culture that we all live in and say, I want to come to Sunday nights with a gift for God and other people, not to get. It could be a gift of time. It could be a gift of some other resource, like a strength that you have. It could be, and it should be, the use of your spiritual gifts and, yes, our money, where it's not put in, throw a 10 in the offering plate begrudgingly, but, yes, I get to give to that which lasts, and I'm so excited and thrilled about my relationship with Jesus and what God's doing in my community of believers that I want to give to it. Uh, I want to quote C.S. Lewis here about the relationship that we're to have with things like giving and other spiritual disciplines as well. He says this, provided the thing is in itself right, the more one likes it and the less one has to try to be good, the better. A perfect man would never act from a sense of duty. He'd always want the right thing more than the wrong one. Duty is only a substitute for love of God and of other people, like a crutch, which is a substitute for a leg. Most of us need the crutch at times, but of course it's idiotic to use the crutch when our own legs, our own loves, tastes, habits, etc., can do the journey on their own. Second Corinthians says that God loves a cheerful giver, much like what C.S. Lewis said. He loves a cheerful giver because God doesn't want us to give to him primarily out of duty. He wants to, us to give to him out of desire. Like bees to honey, God loves it when we long for him, when we love him, when we thirst for him, not when we just serve him or give to him out of duty. You know, when you drink water on a hot day like today, you don't do so out of duty, although we have to drink water to survive, to be sure, but we drink water because we want to. And a cold cup of water on a day like this, I mean, you don't have to be asked to do that. It's not obligatory. You want to do it. So God wants us to thirst, to, to pant, the Bible says, after him as a deer pants for streams of water. Lewis says that duty is only a substitute for love. 
That is sometimes, yes, we, we engage with God and we serve him out of duty, but it's a substitute, it's a placeholder because God wants our heart. He wants us to love to serve him and to give to him. And I hope tonight we can grow in our excitement and in our desire to give to God. And I want to ask you to pray to that end right now. I'd like to ask a couple of you to pray out loud, if you'd be comfortable. Pray loud enough that we can hear. It doesn't have to be some big, long prayer, but pray that God would give us a joyful heart, a heart exploding with excitement to give to him and do his work. Can we pray that now? Go ahead. Some of you go ahead and pray out loud. Let's have some more pray. Go ahead and jump in. Don't be shy. Doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can even be just a couple sentences. Go ahead.
Amen. So I want to ask some questions first that I think will, a handful of questions that will help us have a, a solidly biblical view of tithe. And then from there, we'll move into some uh, practicals. So the first question is, what is tithing? And tithing is the biblical practice of giving 10% of your income to God's work at the local church specifically, and then that money is disseminated to missions and other ministries and the functioning of the church so that we might fulfill the Great Commission. That is the mission Jesus has given us to reach the world with his message of salvation, both in uh, our words and in our actions. So the second question is, uh, I'll also say on that, tithing is also, it's a, this is critical throughout the entire Bible. We're to give with a cheerful heart. It's not just a checkoff, it's, it's worship. Uh, second question here, what does it say in the Old Testament about tithing? The Old Testament, that is the recorded story of God before Jesus came on the scene. Jesus was always on the scene as God, but before he came to the earth as a man. So what does it say in the Old Testament about tithing? And I want to borrow on this question very heavily from John Hopler, another pastor in our movement. I've, I've read his article on tithe many, many times because it's been very meaningful to me, and uh, particularly this point on what does the Old Testament have to say about tithing. He pulls some examples that I think are very simple that I like. We see in Abraham, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. So Abraham, if you read on here, he gives 10% of the spoils of war to Melchizedek here, who was the priest of the most high God. And next we see Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 20. It says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So here, Jacob said, God, if you provide for me on this journey, I'm going to give you a tenth of all that I have. Then we see, and I'll just refer to this one, and I need to give you guys time to turn in your Bibles. Sorry about that. I was just rattling it off there. Uh, but we see an example in Moses, and I'll just refer to this one. You don't have to turn there. But in Numbers 18, where God commands the Israelites to give to their priest, uh, the Levites, to, to tithe to them, both for the work of God and to provide for these priests. And John Hopler points out that there are some who would object to this. There are some believers who would say, well, no, Chris, you got it all wrong. This strict kind of theocratic commitment to the nation of Israel was an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. Um, it doesn't apply to believers that are living under the new covenant. Uh, and I would say that that is true. But there are certainly many examples that we can draw from the Old Testament. We see a bridge built between the Old Testament and the New as it relates to tithing. Uh, look at the example of Abraham. He tithed to show respect to this minister of God, Melchizedek. And today we tithe to provide for the needs of the church. Jacob tithed to show his appreciation for God and his provision. And today we do that as well. 
We tithe to show that God is our provider. Um, And likewise, the Israelites tithed to help fund God's work locally and nationally. And we do the same. We tithe to our local local church for the cause of Christ locally and for money to be disseminated for kingdom need around the world. Um, And I'll say this too. Oftentimes, people don't want to give because they say, my church is not worthy of it. They're not invested in the right things. Do you know Jesus encourages giving even when the temple was corrupt? Way more corrupt than, than probably any church you or I know of. And the reason he does is because giving is not about the worthiness of the church or in the Old Testament, the temple, but it's about our hearts. It's about worship. Um, so we've looked at what the Old Testament says about giving. Now I want to ask What does the New Testament teach? What does the New Testament teach? Again, the focus is on cheerful giving. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for those who don't like to read it on the screen. You guys like reading it on the screen? Do you? Okay. Well, then those who don't, you're out of luck. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if we don't enjoy cheerfully giving to God's work, you know what it means? It means we're really not connected to God. We're not delighting in God. We're not excited about God. That's what it means, because we give to that which we delight in, don't we? You know, if you're going to go out and, I don't know, buy the newest gadget, You know, I like headphones because I have to listen to music all the time when I work. It helps me to focus. And, you know, I get a new, I get new headphones or whatever that I've been researching online and stuff. It's it's not a sacrifice. I love gadgets. And my friends and family know that. They call me Gadget Boy. They do. And when I get a new gadget, I mean, it's exciting. I don't have to, you know, man, I got to give to this. Well, God wants us to, to be infinitely more excited about giving to his work. Not begrudgingly. So, so that, it's a litmus test. Every Sunday night when we gather and we give, how's my heart as I give? How's my heart? It's an indication of, uh, or at least one indication of our relationship with Christ. Now, there's no specific requirement in the New Testament regarding a percentage of our income. But I love, again, to refer to C.S. Lewis. He says the requirement is, in the New Testament is to give until it hurts. In other words, we should notice it. It should, be, it should be the widow's might. And if you've read the story of the widow's might in the New Testament, she had but one might, and she gave it. She gave it to God's work. It was a sacrificial gift. That means way more than a millionaire giving $200, right? So we're to give until it hurts, to acknowledge that God's our provider, and we do so cheerfully. And uh, tithing, too, is just the beginning, because Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. In other words, it all belongs to God. And we give him our talents, we give him our resources, we give him everything. Tithe is just a start. But there are definitely some assumptions that the New Testament makes. Even though there's not requirements, there are many assumptions. Let's look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 
So he's saying what you really need to give is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Those are the better gifts. In other words, fight for those who are oppressed. Don't oppress the people of God, but love them, serve them, fight for them. Love your, uh, uh, your fellow Israelites. He said that's the weightier gift, but he says don't neglect the former. In other words, don't neglect tithing. So Jesus is assuming there would be a tithe. Paul also referenced tithing in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 13. He says, Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's assuming, again, that they will build a bridge from the old covenant into their lifestyle as young believers. And that this, this principle of tithing, which was to the priest, would now be to those that are giving themselves to gospel work in the church. Before we move on to the practicals, I want to provide an important disclaimer here. Those who don't give 10% should not in any way be condemned or judged. Because again, God wants a cheerful giver. And uh, small steps are good steps in that direction. Maybe you can't, at this point, maybe you start at 3%. Or maybe you're in college and, and you, but I would encourage you as soon as possible, get in the habit of tithing 10%. And uh, uh, when I was a kid, uh, way before I even became a believer, my parents got me started on If I got $2, I was tithing 20 cents. And as I got older, it was, it was practice. It was, this is, I give God my first fruits. I'm giving to God. I'm giving to his work. Uh, and we tithe not to earn God's favor, but rather as a joyful response to what he's done. We, we tithe because we already have his favor. Right? And because we value that. Uh, so on with some practicals here. And I, uh, brace yourself because I'm going to move pretty quickly. But I think these will answer maybe some of the practical questions you have about tithe. First, it's a very practical way to move our hearts and minds to worship. Man, when you give 10% of your income to your local church, you are expressing such a dependence on God. You know, our hearts and our wallets are tied together. Uh, so our money represents our blood, sweat, and tears, right? And we're very protective of it because, number one, it provides for us, it supports us, and it gives us a sense of security. And people are very protective about their money, right? Very protective. Uh, and money also represents something about us that is made in the image of God. And that's money is a, a picture, a symbol of our creative ability. Just as God works and he creates things, he invites us through our jobs, through our relationships to work. And then we get compensated for our work, right? And that money is from God. And we show when we give that he is our provider, that he's our creator, he's our sustainer, he's our strength. Right? Because our money does represent something very valuable to us. It helps us to keep our eyes on our true security and the one who gives us the ability to create. Tithing also supports the local church. It's a practical discipline that helps build the local church and missions around the world. It takes money to send 
church planners, to send missionaries, to start ministries, to support a staff, to keep the lights on. All of that costs money. And it's very practical. We pay our electric bill, don't we? We pay our plumber. To me, I, I know my goal is to be a millionaire in my giving before I die. I probably will not be a millionaire in any other way. But I want to give a million dollars to God's work before I die. What's your goal? I know some of you uh, business guys and gals in here, you have big dreams of how you're going to use your work and your ability to create your entrepreneurial gift to bless the socks off of uh, God's work in the church and in other places as well. And I want to applaud that. Don't lose that. You know, God is very practical, and he speaks of money almost more than any other single lifestyle-oriented subject in the Bible because he knows how important it is to us, and he knows it's a picture of where our heart is. We express worship not only with our words, but with our wallets, don't we? What we spend our money on is typically what we worship. Tithing also supports the local pastors. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, Don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. You know, if you're talking about pastors, if you're talking about missionaries, one of the things I hate to see is for money to be a worry to them. A pastor should not be trying to get rich. They also should not feel like they need to take a vow of poverty. They should be able to provide for their families. And I want to thank all of you for your commitment to Awaken. I believe that Awaken is a very generous church. And our treasurer, Kyle Atwood, will come up in a few minutes here and share some uh, specific detail of just how generous you've been. But I remember when we started, we had about 40 people. Most of them were under the age of 23, okay? The church historically gave, in terms of their giving at our sending church, Linworth Road in Worthington, they historically gave $30,000. We needed 80. So no one was really, or very few were giving a true tithe. Uh, Linworth was committed to... Uh, supporting us for two years while we got on our feet. We were self-supporting in eight months. And the first year was uh, over $120,000 were given. And that, that's because, for many of you, we taught on it and you responded. And I've noticed that at Awaken because so many of you love Jesus. You hear teachings, and even when they're hard, you respond. And I want to applaud that because as we age... The enemy will relentlessly attack our unity. And he'll do so through our relationships. He'll do so through our wallets and how the church spends their money and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just want to say, your generosity with your time, with your gifts, with your talents, and with your money uh, has brought me to tears many times. And I'm so thankful for all of you who've given sacrificially. You know... A pastor also doesn't, uh, uh, he's not just out for a paycheck. The paycheck enables the pastor or the ministry worker to do what they would do, listen to this, do what they would do anyway as a volunteer. I would love to be independently wealthy and not have to take a nickel. And maybe someday God will bless me with that. I don't know. I would love to not take a nickel, but the paycheck frees me up to do what I would do anyway and what I did do for free for many years as a young man. What Kimball did for free for many years 
as a young man. Also, I'll say uh, elders, pastors, or elders and pastors, we use that term interchangeably, but pastors and leaders, I should say, should be an example in the church of giving. We should be the ones who set the example. Uh, Kimball and I both tithe 10%, and we, we give additionally above and beyond that to other ministries. And that's been, you know, especially early on, that was a huge sacrifice. You know, my kids would ask, why can't we go on this vacation? Or how come you don't give to the playground fund and all that? And it's because, of, well, I'm giving away a huge chunk of my money. Uh, and you know, too, what, what I've also found is the more money we have, the less we want to give. Have you guys found that in your own life? You know, when I was making collectively, maybe Becky and I, when we were first married, we got married in college, maybe we made $12,000 a year. That wasn't a big deal at all to tithe on $12,000 a year. But now that we're making $3 million a year off of you, not, not, not anywhere near that. But, you know, as Becky started working and all that, there's a little more money to play with. It's a little harder to part with it then. You know, so I heard a pastor one time, he, a man was sharing this, an entrepreneur in his church. He's like, man, you know... Uh, uh, Pastor, when I was making 30000 it was no big deal to tithe three. And then I was making 50000 it was a little harder to tithe five. Now that I'm making 200000 it is so hard to tithe. And the pastor said, well, I'll start praying for you to make less money. <laughs> you know, and I believe that there is truth in that. The more money we get, the more we want. And so um, you can be an example in giving regardless of how much you make. That has nothing to do with it. It's giving sacrificially. Uh, and I would say most important... Uh, tithing helps to develop disciples, that is, follower of Je- followers of Jesus. When we fight against the cultural tendency to acquire wealth, to uh, you know, provide uh, an unnecessary level of security by saving and hoarding a bunch of money, when we give 10% of our income away, it does help us to reorder our priorities. And every week, we're making a sacrifice that helps us see our money through a kingdom lens. And uh, I think that's very important. You know, because the shiny new gadget or the car or the house, all of those are going to lose their luster, even our investments and savings. You know, eventually, enough is never enough. But when we give to kingdom work, we know that the return is always good, don't we? God says it's more blessed to give than to receive in his word. So in other words, the party begins when we make life about giving. In other words, I come to home group, I come to church, I live my daily life with an obsession to give, not get. That's where life is found, in giving. Life is found in giving of our time, our resources, and so on. All right, so on to another practical. Uh, You know, many uh, have the tithing practice of splitting up their tithe between the local church and other ministries. Let's say a, a parachurch Uh, other missionaries that they give to overseas. So for example, you might give uh, 7% of your tithe to Awaken and you might give 3% to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, let's say. And I want to say right out of the, so this question, can I split my tithe between my local church and other ministries? I want to say right out of the gate, it's a personal conviction and there's grace. But I do have a strong conviction here, food for thought that I want you to consider. Many years ago, I made the decision to not split my tithe. Becky and I did, and here's why. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to give 10% to your local church and then give above and beyond to other ministries. Uh, The reason is I think that it encourages us to be passive with our local church when we split up our tithe. 
Because if I tithe 10% to my local church and I'm passionate about safe families, which is a ministry we have here, to uh, uh, families that are in a tough spot and we take their kids in and give them a break and help them get back on their feet and many of you are involved in that. But if I say, well, I'm going to give 7% to Awaken and 3% to safe families, I'd rather you give 10% to Awaken and then talk to your pastors about investing heavily in safe families. And we are heavily invested in safe families, by the way. But I think it allows us to be passive. And we don't talk about the ministries that we're excited about and that God's put on our heart. But if, we're, if you're coming to your pastors and you're helping to envision the church maybe in an area that we wouldn't see otherwise, uh, I believe that it hurts other ministries when we don't tithe 10% to our local church because local churches can't be as generous to those ministries. They may not even be aware of them. Uh, and I think it hurts the church as well. So I'd like to encourage you to do that again. This is not a guilt thing. It's between you and God. Um, but I do believe that tithing to your local church forces you to put your feet and your mouth where your wallet's going. And you walk up to your pastor and say, hey, I really think we should be giving to this ministry. And if, if there's enough of you that have that heart, then we'll certainly be focused in on that. Uh, I'll say out of the gate, look at where we meet. When we first met here, those weren't in the windows. And on a night like tonight, raise your hand if you were here before the air conditioners. We were naked, weren't we? <laughs> we were naked. Loincloths. The, the greeters handed out loincloths. It was hotter than you can imagine. I mean, I would be up here sweating, a beach towel. You know, people had fire hoses hosing me off. You know, it was, it was rough. We're not in this for you know, some type of super shiny facility. All right, we need a new facility. We're praying for that. But can I be honest with you? It scares me to death. Because I don't want to, I'm just going to be very frank with you guys. As you get older, I do not want to cater to your every need and whim because you give money to the church. I want us to be serious like we were when we started years ago with many of you when you were 15 years old, when this was just a youth group. And our goal was to honor Jesus with the rest of our lives, no matter what, and to joyfully, not some kind of big, heavy sacrifice, but joyfully go to the ends of the earth and fund those who go to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And getting a building, I know pastors aren't say to, supposed to say this because I'm supposed to be the rah-rah guy who, hey, we need to get a building, we need to raise funds, and this is going to change the entire world, and your life is never going to be the same if you just invest in a building. Not true. A building is a wonderful thing, and we need a different space to be able to meet what, uh, the, uh, uh, the needs that we have as a church, but in changing spaces, it is not about us. It's about reaching people. The service time will not be when it's most convenient for you. It will be the service time that allows us to reach the most people for Jesus Christ. The building will be the building that allows us to reach the most people we can for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean that children's ministry and other areas are not a huge, huge concern. And we're heavily, heavily invested in children's ministry. I mean, for crying out loud, this church came out of a youth group. And you guys know me. I love kids way more than any of you. I wish I could just hang out with them every Sunday night. I know your kids in many cases better than I know you. We love kids here at Awaken, and we, they are a key part of our discipleship strategy. But I've seen in so many churches, as the church ages, it becomes about catering to believers. Too much so. 
and moving, it terrifies me on that front. And I will be like a guard dog committed to the mission of this church, which is to fulfill the Great Commission. And that building is going to help us do that. And so you're giving. As you give, we, we will invest in a building, but we, we will do so with a vision that we have to have more staff overseas than we do at Awaken. Do you know that's our vision? There are over 25 people committed right now to, uh, to overseas missions. Most of them are young, and they're, uh, they're going to regular prayer times. They're going to different training opportunities. We have a strategy. We're working with another ministry to help us send over missionaries. We want this to be a pipeline. We're working to uh, revamp our leadership development process moving into the fall because we believe we have a legacy here at Awaken, a gift that God's given us to really pump out the leaders. And we think that slowed down a little bit, and we want to get back to our roots. Uh, uh, so I ask you, as we give to these things, it, it matters. It matters. But we're not giving for us. We're giving for Jesus. I got a little off my game here. Last question. What about those who are financially burdened or poor? I believe the goal should be tithing regularly. And again, small steps are great steps. And I think that those who are poor or who are financially burdened, under-resourced, I think that we need to help disciple those in the church that struggle in those areas with a healthy relationship with their money. How do you develop a healthy biblical relationship with money? How do you, uh, you know, we need to be helping those find meaningful jobs, helping them to discover their strengths or develop strengths or pursue training. You know, unfortunately, oftentimes we view discipleship as only training and how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to evangelize, how to reach the hurting. But man, it also includes our job. We're at our job for two-thirds of our waking hours. And many of you, you have tremendous gifts at your job, and you separate those from your relationship with Jesus. You have ways that you could mentor others and help them to develop or grow in their career or help them to grow in their work ethic. And many of you are doing that. You know, we've uh, hosted a financial peace course a number of times here. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that if you're in debt. There are many in this church that are here tonight that were in monstrous amounts of debt, that applied biblical principles and are now out of it and are able to cheerfully give. Uh, so it matters how we relate to our money. Um, I want to invite Kyle up. to He's our treasure to share now on uh, just some specifics, some nuts and bolts with our finances here. He's the brains behind the, the, uh, the whole outfit here. Okay, so I'm just going to come out the gate and say I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know why, because numbers is my thing, but I was telling Greta that I think it's because I don't want to get emotional um, behind the numbers, but, you know, this is all about people. Um, we're going to look at numbers, and I'm a finance guy. I can think income, what do we bring in, expenses, what do we give out, um, but that's not what this is about. Um, we're going to look at giving what God has given us, then what we've given to the church, and then as a church body, what we've decided to invest in. We know that every dollar out this door for kingdom investment has an eternal impact. And so when I focus on those things, um, it gets me very excited. Um, it gets me very emotional because um, many of you know that I would not be here for the, if it wasn't for the <laughs> pastors of this church. 
for the leaders, um, believing in me, investing in me. Um, and so with that said, I want to get back to the numbers. But um, so it's wonderful that we have pastors that we can look to to model this. Um, Hebrews 13 tells us, look to your pastors, imitate their way of faith, see the outcome of their faith. Um, and we have pastors who do not have a love of money. Um, every single financial meeting we have, they always ask, how's the mission fund? And I'm like, well, we haven't gone on a mission, so it's still there. I mean, they're so keen in on we're set aside money to send missionaries. So when you hear that over and over, if you're in prayer times or home group or leadership times or even teaching, like Chris just said, it's the real deal. Like it's not some just pie in the sky dream. Um, the other way that I know that our pastors aren't lover of money, um, just they give. Chris touched on it. Um, they, they give. They tie 10%. They walk the walk. Um, and so the other thing about it is, as we look of total giving, Chris laid out 120000 in that first year when we needed eighty. We're going to dive into 2018. $342,000 was the giving through the Awakened Church local body. And our staff grew from four to seven. And out of that staff, less than 50% of that giving actually went to salaries. So when we're talking about investment, yes, our pastors, our staff, they're, they're um, making a living, but they're making a life by what they choose to give. And they're giving to this church sacrificially. And so let's dive right in. 2018 recap, total giving, 349000 Total kingdom investment, again, I had to switch this because I'm income expense, but it's not an expense. Expense implies you're not getting it back. And we know as a church we're getting every dollar of this back and then some. Jesus promises that. Anyone who gives up houses, uh, income, whatever it is, will receive tenfold in this life and the life to come. And so we got a total kingdom investment. Breakdown, local church, global church. Chris touched on a little bit. Local church, that's 290000 in 2018. Global church, that's 92000 We're going to give into what that means. But just know when you see 2019, Awaken sent four mission trips in 2018. Can we just, like, applaud that? It was amazing. Um, it, was, it was a lot of work behind the scenes, but so many people made it happen. And, again, it was about the people in the room. And so um, that's the difference. So far, 2019, this is six months in. Um, and total giving, 153. Uh, total kingdom investment, 156. And you'll see a continual breakdown of local church and global church. And so if we flip to the next slide, I'm just going to give a little recap of what the local church investment, when I say that, what that really means. And so think local church, think exactly awaken, um, the local church body. And if you think global church investments, that's exactly that, the global church. Even though some of these ministries are in exactly our neighborhoods and we're a part of them and we invest in them, but we're also behind it in terms of dollars. And so local church investment Awaken pastors and staff, we've grown from four to seven. Uh, Awaken Sundays, that's this time right here, like Chris touched on. We need to keep the lights on. Uh, we had a heating debacle of 2017 slash 2018. Don't want to talk about it. Um, we had Awaken OSU. Many out of this room, in this room right here, know the impact of Awaken OSU. The summer discipleship programs, the Bible studies um, the investment of living in community, renting houses, 
food, um, all of these, all of these things. Um, Awaken worship. Can we just celebrate the Awaken worship team and the work that they do? Um, we 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 did a live album. We did a live album in 2018. Um, Brandon and the team continues to um, invest biblically in our in our equipment. Um, works endlessly to find the deals to resell to. Um, Brandon, I don't know how you do it, but he does it. Um, and so we're mindful of these things. We could just cut a check for the greatest and latest, but that's not what this church is about, never will be. And so Awaken Community, that's your home group, that's your leadership training, um, that's pastor's retreat, um, things that as a community we all benefit from. Uh, Awaken Kids, as we know, we've grown um, tremendously, and that's an investment. Um, bringing on staff, having staff, um, having two rooms go to five. Um, I've seen it grow personally uh, just in uh, volunteering myself. And then Faith Walkers. Um, Many people know the announcement that we make about families. You're going to get subsidized. We're not going to charge you two people. You're going to get a room. Um, And then first-time students, we're going to pay your way. That costs money, but again, it's because Faith Walkers, if anyone's been, knows the impact that that has. So we're strategic. And then global church investment. Um, again, mission trips, number one. We did Italy. We've done India, Greece, Sweden, all within a span of like three months. It was insane. Um, and we've gone to India in the past. Um, we know that we have missionaries in, in Jordan and, and traveling. Um, and a lot of the support has come from the people in this room. Um, we have great commission churches. The partnership there, we're invested um, with them as well. Uh, safe families. Um, we know that this local congregation and through the Krauss family and the many others um, started essentially the Central Ohio chapter of Safe Families. And so we should celebrate that. Um, then I'm going to run these last ones, Tom Short, Campus Ministry. We know that um, Awaken was, um, has a big college presence. We know that. Um, the Great Commission churches started from Ohio State's campus. Tom Short travels around. Um, we have, have had and still have uh, people that are on his team, and so we support them in that. Uh, run Global, Reaching the Unreached Now in India. When we have Mike Cater come, we're behind him in support through our local congregation. Young Life, the many Young Life leaders. I know some of you, I think, are on a a leader's retreat or happened, did happen. Um, And so we're invested in behind Young Life. And then our our benevolence assistance. We know that there's people um, in our community um, that need the support of the local church. And so out of your generous giving, the church is able to be the church. And so I just wanted to give this recap, this rundown, um, to let you know that when Chris gets up here, Kimball gets up here, um, it's just a joy to, to be in the room with just them and know they're saying the same exact things and they're walking the walk. And so let's imitate our pastors in their way of faith, not being lovers of money, um, and let's just invest in the kingdom. So I'm going to give it back to you, Chris. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. You know, Kyle gets just above college guy wages uh, to be our treasurer, 
and he is the CFO at Big Brothers Big Sisters. So we have a guy who, is an, who loves Jesus with all of his heart, and he's also uh, an expert in how to come alongside nonprofits financially. So we literally pay him probably about one-sixth of what he's worth, but he works so hard for us, and Kyle, man, without you, we would be dead in the water, man. This would be a gasoline fire, I feel like, because I, I could certainly not do what you do, and I think I speak for Kimball as well. So let's give Kyle a hand here. Uh, you know, in, in closing here, and, and Deborah, you can go ahead and come on up here. Um, uh, but I, I want to... Uh, reference Tony Evans. Pastor, he's one of my favorite pastors of all time. I feel like he kind of discipled me from afar. You know, as a young man, I actually ordered out his tapes. You guys know what a cassette tape is? You know, it came in this binder. You paid a fortune for it, and, you know, you take it out, stuck in there. You know, and I would listen to him over and over and over and over and over again. And then as time went on, podcasts and books and all that stuff. And uh, he shared, so this was probably several decades ago, he shared a message on giving. And this was so convicting to me. He said, some of you are driving stolen cars. Some of you are living in stolen homes. Some of you are wearing clothes that you didn't acquire in a way that honors Jesus because you didn't give first to the kingdom of God. Uh, Billy Graham says the same of this theft, uh, the late Billy Graham, an evangelist. He says, the tithe is the Lord's. If you use it for yourself, you're robbing God. The New Testament goes beyond the Old Testament and teaches that we're to give as God has prospered us. Prospered us. We're to take the tithe as a standard, but to go beyond the tithe as an indication of our gratefulness for God's gifts to us. So you're giving to awaken. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for, for really any other reason than because of love for Christ. That's our motivation. If our mission is flashy or if our mission is struggling, if it seems like everything's burning down around us, or if, man, it just seems like we're operating on all the cylinders, no matter what, we're giving because of our love for Christ. Uh, I want to pray now that we would have a heart to give and a heart to make that uh, a discipline, but a discipline out of passion and love for Jesus. And then uh, in a few moments, we'll have our baptism. So again, Come and talk to me if that's something you're interested in. If you're uh, for our scheduled baptism, you can go ahead and make your way back and change. And uh, again, talk to me. You're not indicating a commitment. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do give us this opportunity to give to your work. Lord, you've always been so faithful in this congregation over the years. Uh, faithful to teach us. Faithful to make us generous. We realize that's a gift. Lord, we can give out of obligation, but only you can make us generous, and we thank you for that, Jesus. We pray that you continue to bless the work of our hands as a church, that you'd keep us humble, that you keep us committed to you and loving one another and loving you. In Jesus' name.